This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time-honored tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. I'm going to a real life secret hell world party. <laughs> Hellraisers, let's play! Welcome, Hellraisers. Invitations. That's what I'm talking about. I wouldn't touch that. Is it just a game now? Jesse! It's not real! If you need anything, just scream. Welcome to hell. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration's sequel to Deja Vu. And we, we got an interesting one for you to, tonight, a part of a franchise that we have not, as of yet covered here on sequel to Deja Vu. We are going to be reviewing, dissecting, and pretty much frowning upon, I think, Hellraiser 8, a.k.a. Hellraiser Hellworld from 2005. And joining me as my, one of my usual co-hosts for Sequel 2 Deja Vu is Eric Phillips. How are we doing? We are doing great today. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, evil comes online. <laughs> <laughs> oh, giggity. It's not like when evil went to space, though, is it? No, it's definitely not. It could have been <laughs> evil goes to space, so there's that. Yeah, I think by the time, just just about, and I'm going to say just about, because there's a few franchises that have eight or more chapters and that are still going strong, you know. But once you hit about the eighth or ninth movie, you, you're kind of running out of steam. Yeah, surprisingly, a lot of them are made by Dimension Films. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say Looking the Prophecy you, Series. The <laughs> yeah, Prophecy Series, Children of the Corn. Hellraiser, unfortunately. I think it started out really good. I mean, uh, uh I love the first three. I love Hellraiser 1, 2, and 3. Hell on Earth, I know a lot of people feel like after the second one, there's no good ones. I, I like 
Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Uh, I was there. Three. Yeah, I, I don't mind 3. I don't mind Hellraiser 4 Bloodlines all that much. It's not, It's again, I'm just going to put it this way. It's not the worst of the Hellraiser franchise, because Hellraiser Deader, I'm looking at you. That... <laughs> Oof. It seems to be the general that seems to be the general consensus of most online movie reviewers is that that movie is just hot garbage. And for the Hellraiser fans out there that we may have listening to this right now, folks, don't get me wrong. Enjoy what you enjoy. I dropped off after four because it just it went straight to DVD after that. My life was busy at that time, so I didn't get around to watching them again. So this is the first time I watched Hellraiser, and it's I'm jumping into the eighth one. But I did my homework, and I know that I can watch this one without having to go watch the other movies because the other movies are decent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one? Oh. Yeah. I mean, there's some, there's some aspects I like. There, there are some there aspects are... I like, but overall, not a great film. No, it is not. I mean, first and foremost, it's from Dimension Films straight to DVD series, and it's the movie to make Doug Bradley go, um, no. <laughs> yeah, because what was the one that came after this? It was Hellraiser Revelations and Hellraiser Judgment, which I don't even count those as canon anymore because yeah, it's, it's I don't just... know because the 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 one that the, what I found funny about this one in particular is that seven was released three months prior. Yeah, and they did this one basically to keep the rights. Yeah, the only reason why they did, and, it. and you can tell it, it it shines as blatantly obvious that this was a quick, fast way to go. Uh, we're not losing the rights to this. Well, they did that with the the Prophecy franchise. They did that, again, like we already mentioned with, uh, you know, Children of the Corn as well. It's just, yeah, it, it's what they call a spec script. I think what it was, they have a, scri- have a script that they maybe don't have a whole lot of uh, faith in. So they're like, how do we, you know, you know, insert Pinhead and the Cenobites into this sporadically? And I mean sporadically. Oh, we, we shoehorn them in. Yeah, exactly. But let's before we get too far, I want to give the quick IMDb synopsis so we can start uh, giving this movie some ultimate hell. No pun intended. Uh, actually, every pun intended. Fuck it. <laughs> or anyway, Hellraiser Hell World 2005 is as follows. Gamers playing an MMORPG based on the Hellraiser films find their lives endangered after being invited to a rave, the host of which intends to show them the truth behind the Cenobite mythos. And that's, that's fair to Midland, and that's, that's basically what it's about. It, but in the end, it's a revenge story. It really is. It, it's, you know, it, this movie does have a few things going for, a few things of notoriety, um, well, one thing of, of bad notoriety is Rick Boda directed this. He was the man who brought us on uh, the, the previous couple uh, Hellraiser movies. I think he did, um, oh, hell, what was it? Hellraiser Debtor and Hellraiser. I fucking completely <laughs> forgot the Hold other Hold on a second. That. I can tell you. Um, I think it was Hellraiser at the moment. <sighs> I'm brain farting. Give me a second. But I think it was Hell, Hell, he did all three Hellseeker, Debtor, and Hellworld. He did Debtor, Hellworld, and Hellseeker. All done with like, you know, Hellraiser, Debtor, and 
Hellworld were done pretty much back to back. I think you had even said that they were done about three months away from each other. And really- <laughs> but you know and- what else is sad is that the man has talent because he worked on Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. He also did House on Haunted Hill, which is not a bad remake. It's not great, but it's not horrible like this fucking thing. I, I like that. He was a better cinematographer than he was a director. Right. You know, he did. I mean, uh, he even did a couple of the Blood Fist movies from the 90s. Remember those? The Don the Dragon Wilson Kung Fu series? Oh, my God. Yeah. The only problem with those was I had a hard time watching those because the fucking camera would shake constantly. And it's like, oh, it's action cam. Whatever that <laughs> fucking garbage. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To, to accentuate the action, they were just like, let's just shake the camera like we're on the Starship Enterprise, the you know, <laughs> on the bridge. Yeah. And and Dimension Films is also guilty of a lot of cinema sins, like the jump tropes, you know, jump scares, friggin' this place used to be a nunnery and now it's an insane asylum. That fucking trope. <laughs> yeah, they they ruined, you know, they ruined parent- a couple of series that uh, that I I loved. I love the prophecy series, the first couple. Yeah, the yeah, first one and, and two is great. Three and four and beyond that are just god awful. Children of the Corn, one, two, and I think even three is okay. But after that, it just it gets washed out and convoluted, and just you can tell at this point they're just throwing shit at the friggin' wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, they're just chucking it out. They're just mass producing it at this point. <laughs> but the one thing I will say, this movie has going for it, it does have an impressive cast. It's yeah, that's great cast fucking, members. That's what's shocking about it is that they had such a talented cast available at their hands. And, you know, a lot of people that are watching this in mainstream ain't going to know who a lot of these people are until you tell them, you know, this person was this. But, right. But, like, you know, the, anybody the, the, that's the, worth their salt in the horror community knows Lance Hendrickson. You know, yeah, the man has like <sighs> close to what, 300 film credits. If you don't know who Lance Hendrickson is, you're living under a rock somewhere. Uh, he was the cop in Terminator. He was the fucking main guy in Millennium. He was Pumpkinhead. He was the cyborg in Alien and Aliens. You know, yeah, the list goes on. The man's been in everything. And it's even got a couple. I mean, it has Superman in it. Henry Cavill yeah. as Mike is in, a, in an early, early role. It was one of his first roles, and he's yeah. actually pretty good at it. There's and that man doesn't subtle. age much. He doesn't age There's, much. <laughs> There's also King Ezekiel from The yeah. Walking Dead. Kari Faton, you know. Yes. Uh, and a guy that I like a lot, Christopher Jacot, uh, is, that plays Jake. He shows up um, in a lot of Canadian uh, shows. He shows up in uh, the Slasher series, which I'm a big fan of. You know, oh. he shows up in multiple seasons of that. And even Catherine Winnick has been in a bunch of stuff. She's in Vikings. Uh, and as far as like re- recent stuff, um, she was unfortunately, unfortunately in the Dark Tower movie based on the, the Stephen King novel. But uh, we won't talk about that. We won't talk about that. That's, no, that's, a, no. that's a movie that makes this look like Citizen Kane. Yes, it does. <laughs> what an abomination. Uh, yeah. You know, one one day we'll have to do a show on that, but I will have to be three sheets to the wind. And Please don't make me watch that again. Uh, I'm not going to watch it again. I, I went to the theaters and I just remember being to say the word disappointed is even this day is yeah. just gentle euphemism because that, that is the worst movie of all time. Most people yeah. throw that, that phrase around like, you know, like like a. Uh, Randall Flagg wasn't even menacing and scary in that movie. 
Well, it, I'll, I'll this I'll, I'll we'll say this. It bared no resemblance to the source material, and how you can make one movie that was supposed to sum up an eight novel series that spanned about five thousand pages is is, is convoluted. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of convoluted, let's get into Hellraiser Hellworld. My first real beef with this movie is the Adam character. They really give no backstory to Adam. I mean, it's all kind of centers around, you know, you know, Adam is a character who is into this Hellraiser game and he killed himself, set himself on fire. But they really give no backstory. It just it's yeah, hard the... to feel so bad about a character that you know nothing about and they didn't, you know, for lack of a better term, flesh him out at all. Yeah, the opening title sequence is him digging somewhere. You can't really tell where he's at at the current moment, but he's just digging this pit shirtless. And it looks like he's freaking probably listening to Corn or some <laughs> yeah. other new metal band. He's listening to some Which, TOD. by the way, the soundtrack on this movie is god awful. God awful. Oh, if you, god. you know, it's something that could have saved this movie was, you know, throw in some music that fucking actually represented the genre. You know, because that would have brought back at least a little nostalgia member berries for you to kind of chew on and make it a little bit better. But it's just such a generic sounding track. Well, they could have recycled some of the uh, Christopher Young music from the first couple of movies. And just, I mean, there's none of that Hellraiser theme that we come to know. It'd be be like a Friday the 13th movie without, uh, you know, that infamous score. It just, just, just didn't work. It just felt very cheesy. Yeah, but, well, the uh, movie is literally digging its own grave at the beginning of the film. Yeah, a lot of digging going on in this movie. A lot of digging going on. The only person who doesn't have a shovel in this movie is Doug Bradley. Because he was just like, yep, give me my paycheck and I'm going to tip the fuck out of stage left and I'm never going to come back. Yeah, but, and I do not blame him at all. No, no. By, by this point, you know, the, the series that had, and again, no pun intended, went to hell in a handbasket. But like, you know, even though that does have a an eclectic cast that's really, really good, the cast is good. It's it's not by any fault of the cast, but when you have a a script that's a turd, you know, in the immortal words uh, in the movie Christine, you can't polish a turd. It just doesn't, you know, you can't make just doesn't happen. Can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. But the the opening. Like seeing other than the the little flashback to Adam digging a hole and setting himself on fire, the funeral is very uncomfortable. It is, and, and they're all just kind of blasé talking about like, oh, Adam, you know, we we were his friend, but we weren't his true friend. We could have saved him, saved him from what? We still never really know what he he did to himself. The flashbacks are sh- shown in such such rapid fire succession of shots. That you never really get until like the end of the movie, you actually even find out that he set himself on fire. But the, you know, yeah. you find out that they're all addicted to, to Hell World, and it's just like, okay, yeah. well, maybe tell us why you're addicted. Maybe like flesh that out a little bit. I mean, for a movie that was, an, God, almost two hours long, you know, it was an hour and forty some odd minutes. I mean, come on, you could have flushed well, that out. I got the full scoop from one of the studio executives about this, and he literally said that the reason why they did that was because they had absolutely no idea what they were doing. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. 
That yeah, it, it totally makes sense because that's what it seems like. It felt like people somebody had gotten a hold of a series of a franchise that knew nothing about what made the franchise work. Yeah. Well, you know what? Part of it is is that first and foremost, you gotta overlook this is where or really started becoming a mainstream fucking thing. Everybody was in or it was the fucking thing. And it started in the early nineties and it just and when they freaking studio executives get a hold of this and they go, Oh, well what are, what's happening in two thousand five? Everybody's playing World of Warcraft and never rest. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's make a was game I about only, Was I the only person that didn't play World of Warcraft? I played a lot no, of you video games. I played a lot of video games. I never played. I, just never I am a I am a I am a video gamer and that's why I have a problem with this movie. <laughs> One of the problems I have with it, because it's like, okay, so you're trying to tell me that this video game is, you know, has something to do with this kid's death. It's like, oh, what the fuck is going to happen? Is fucking Pinhead going to T-pose through the fucking wall? <laughs> We're going to have a yeah. Cinebite clip art through the fucking through the floor? You know, it's like, like, just because something is popular doesn't mean throw it in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and this also, like you, you know, said, it just goes to show everybody was doing horror at the time, and it felt like nobody cared. It, it really it, wasn't. It was just so fucking mainstream, and that's how you know. And to this day, it's like, and don't get me wrong, I love independent horror movies. I fuck you and me worked on your independent horror movie. It was mm-hmm. the blast of my life. I love the movies, even the shitty ones, because I can still find something enjoyable in the story, or I can see where they were trying to go, or you know, and this just doesn't fucking have this they they took a script of a movie that they had and then they literally took this fucking movie eight minutes in and jumped the cenobite <laughs> yep yeah they jumped the cenobite they jumped the chatterer uh, the, really, the, they, the, the, thing, the thing that saves this movie for me is lance hendrickson it's the yes, only thing that's worth watching that, that well that and the fact that we get to see an early Henry Cavill, a Hurley, uh, uh, God, why can't I think of his name? Kari. Kari Payton. Kari Payton. Payton. Yeah. Kari Payton is King Ezekiel, before King Ezekiel, before Superman. And our uh, final girl, Chelsea, is uh, the main female lead on Vikings. Yes. So, I mean, the, you the know, you, that's is, fucking is, The tale that's there. But it's just, it, but yeah, like again, you can't polish a turd, you know. You, it was these, shit. It's shit script. writing. It's shit writing. It's shit directing. Like in my and notes, it, at it, least three times as I was writing or watching this and reviewing, given it my review watch, and write notes at least three different times. I wrote down this is lazy writing. Yeah, it's just like you know they ooh, they got the jump scare, you know where where the the Chelsea character opens the the closed casket, you know, because she has to look at. Adam's corpse, even though he was burned alive, like yeah, this closed Ed, casket for a reason. But like, oh, jump scare! It was just a nightmare. Yeah, boo! But like, two years later, <laughs> yeah. My thought is this: after your friend committed suicide, playing a video game that you were all addicted to, why would you go to the Leviathan House? You know, why if you got invited? One, why would you keep playing the game? Two, why would you go to this place? Why? I mean, I know with, without that, you know, without the, you know, what do you call it, the MacGuffin or whatnot of getting there, you know, you wouldn't right. have a movie. But 
it just seems silly, you know, because they get that invite, you know, where if you play the game and make it to a certain point, you get a special invite to the movie, you know, the mo- not the movie, but the game. To the to the actual <laughs> party. Yeah. The debauchery party. And that's that's right there, you know, talking about that scene is you're talking about when Chelsea and Derek are on the computer and they're talking to their other friend about, the, you know, we're going to go to this party tonight. You just need to go, you know, and that's when they we get the official freaking jump the shark moment eight minutes into the movie the first thing you get is the actual title of the movie which you know if you've watched family guy oh my god he said it (laughs) you know that's a fit that's first thing that goes through my head every time they do that now and the second nine minutes so one minute after that shit we get the officially jump the chatterer fucking cenobite movie with the hellraiser merch in the movie right you if you hurt. are going to be meta, please do not fucking do that. That is not meta. That is garbage meta. Yeah, that is that. I mean, the only thing meta is the fact that they, you know, called it Leviathan House and they had it called Hell World and whatnot. And it was linked to the the, the mythos of, of it. But when they show it on the computer screen, it's lazily, hastily done clip art of Pinhead in a hacked photo from Hellraiser Hellbound, which is a much better movie. And then sound bites, little like a, uh, yeah, from one and two to show you, and it's just like, um, okay, so yeah, it's like you can't even get Doug Bradley to come in, do some voice acting, and actually make something a little bit different. You know, you actually give your movie, oh, I don't know, a little originality. Yeah, no, oh, no, they couldn't do that. The only thing I will, I will say, the Leviathan House is a great location. It is. It is a it, beautiful fucking set. I will give it that. Yeah, I don't know if the if the where the location was and what it really was, but the location itself is kind of a character in and of itself. Yeah, <sighs> but the, and when they get to Leviathan House, and that's when we get introduced to the host, which that's all he's ever known known as. In the end, you know, we'll just spoil it from here. We're not going to save this for, for the end of the movie. Yeah, he's, because let me let's let's put it this way, folks. By the time you get 15 20 minutes in this movie they're going to show you something that's a picture and if you can't figure out where that movie goes from there then you are just not clearly paying attention because it is so fucking predictable writing that's oh, and it's so fuck. obvious it's so it, obvious. it really is it's like well <laughs> well we got to get to the movie that happens later for when that reveal happens we got to get through yeah. the rest of that shit first yeah but i mean in the end the host Played by Lance Hendrickson, and again, he is the main saving grace of this movie because he's always a professional. You know, he may not always be in top-notch films, but you can always expect top-notch performances from him. He's performance guaranteed. But it's so on the nose. It's like I remember the first time watching this because in the in the funeral, at the funeral, they're like, "Where is Adam's father?" Hmm. And then the next person we have is this mysterious old man that that uh, somehow is singling these people out. It's his fucking father. It's so on the nose. It's, it's well, just fucking Henry Cavill or the other guy that Jack comes in and fucking sees him and his dad on the computer. And he's like, where'd you get that picture? How did you know Adam? Uh, da, 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 da. Put two and two together, stupid.
<laughs> what does he say? He says something. Oh, he was a very gifted player. You're telling me that some random guy who's throwing a party has a picture of a guy who committed suicide two years ago because he was the most gifted World of Warcraft player. Right, fucking uh, burned himself alive. <laughs> and and I think they 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 had a neat idea by playing off the Jake character uh, that Christopher plays as kind of being a red herring at first. Yeah, they just didn't capitalize on it enough because he he shows up kind of unexplainably, you know, just like oh he's here. Why is Jake here? You know, he, we haven't seen or heard from him in years, and so you're trying to like planting that seed of like oh maybe he's doing this shit. And they throw that right out the window pretty quick. Yeah, because when the host takes them aside, takes these couple of friends, this handful of friends aside, takes them to his little private den, and he's like, here, here, here's some liquor from my family's private stash. And then, you know, the girl accidentally, the one girl that uh, Allison sprays herself with the perfume, and Henry Cavill's character gets something on his finger that smudges, but it dissolves and absorbs into his skin. The first thing I think, like, he's drugging these people. He's fucking right. with them. It's clearly obvious. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's so ineffectual. You don't even get a... <laughs> you don't even get an appearance by Pinhead until, I think it was 24, 25 minutes in in an hour and 40 minute movie. We got our first yeah. glimpse of Pinhead and it's for about five seconds where he says a really, really bad one-liner. That's what I didn't like. Like I love seeing Pinhead again, and I love Doug Bradley, but having him relegated to little quips, which was just not what Hellraiser and Pinhead and the Cenobites were about. They, you know, like if I want quips, I'll watch a Nightmare on Elm Street film where it's done better, <laughs> you know, by better writers. Now, did they fucking go down into the basement before or after? The drugging after okay he takes him he takes him aside he he, he kind of comes out as soon as they all come in and he takes them aside into the uh into his little office i guess yeah this movie yeah. was hard to follow for me i had a hard time paying attention because it was yeah so bad. well you know i mean i'll admit that the location is great yeah and and the 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 it's props a great scene. Yeah, the, when he takes them down into the basement and he's kind of giving them the, hey, this used to be a nunnery, then it turned into a an insane asylum. Then he talked about how Lemon Shard uh, had, you know, created the place. It was his greatest creation beyond the lament configuration. You know, I, I liked a little bit of the backstory. Yeah, they, the lore they did was decent. Some of the lore was decent. And the props and the set design is really, really good. But here's where I have one problem with the props in the set design. It looked like the lab of Dr. Monroe. Well, n- not <laughs> not exactly. You're on the right track. But this movie came out a year after a big, big horror movie came out. That it looks like it was trying to mimic 110%. It looked a lot like Saw. It, yeah. It the, the, the color schematics, the way the set yeah. design was. Even yeah, the, you know what? The blue filter shot from they like they shot uh with the yeah. original saw with uh uh Carrie Elwes and I don't know who the other guy is and John Kramer are sitting on the floor. They use that blue lighting lens a lot in that. Yeah, film. the blue light and, do, and the green lights, yeah. Yeah, and they use that a lot in this too. So you could definitely see that this guy was pulling from 
Well, I mean, even areas. the contraption that they put um, the actress, uh, Anna Tolpit. Yeah, uh, that was as straight Allison out of Saw. That was straight out of Saw. They put her, when he puts her into that, you know, apparatus. That, well, well, actually, she puts herself into it. She goes, when she goes, just kind of nosing around and sits into what she kind of thinks is it's a torture chamber chair, which it really is. And then it locks her in, and the host, Lance Henderson, shows up and kind of explains to her, like, oh, this is the quickest way to, you know, you know, for bloodletting somebody other than decapitation. And it was just like, this is a, this is a fucking a, a saw, a saw contraption. And, and I will tell you this, despite the fact that, you know, Lance Hendrickson is in this movie, and like I said, he's one of the few things that is enjoyable about this movie, even his role here is... It's a shit roll. I am surprised the man took it. To be well, honest, I also found out the reason why he was uh, cast in this movie because they had already shot the previous sequel in Romania, it's, and Ooh. he was he was in Romania having done Mimic Part Three. Ah. So he had done Mimic Three that was in Romania. Kari Payton, also a dimension film. Yeah, Kari Payton uh, had just did uh, Dracula. Uh, two or Dracula three, the Ascension. Yeah, but anyway, okay, I got uh, I got one note here so I can catch up with you because we're into Allison on the chair. Um, yeah. So here this goes. Um. Uh. What's their, our final girl's name again? I keep fucking Chelsea. Chelsea. Okay. So. While all this is going on, the, the Allison is upstairs snooping around in the room that says, keep out, you know, maybe, yeah. and you know, door's a little hard to open. Maybe you should keep out. But yeah, no. And, and what does she say? She says, yeah, as if. And they're like, oh, you get what you fucking get then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like, well, as if. He's like, okay. But while that's going on, Chelsea gets approached by Mr. Machismo. Now, this dude is so out of place in this movie. I understand that it's a rave. It's a club scene. But this guy is dressed like he is ready for a fucking disco. Got the open polyester fucking shirt and the gold chains and everything. And yeah, he's not at, a, at a, not really at a Hellraiser uh, rave, is he? He's... No, he's really not. And so he, he sticks out like a sore thumb at first. And you get the machismo accent, too. So, you know, there's strike, too. But then, oh... For my wrestling fans out here, you know, the few and far between that may be listening, this was the world's weakest wrist lock that she put on this guy. It was so bad, it could have been on AEW 2020. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it was as weak as her judo kick that she gives to Lance Hendrickson later on. Yeah, I mean, it's 2005 when this movie was made. There was no machismo going on anymore. It was all about the club douchers. Yeah, he thought he was ra- he thought he was Razor Ramon, but <laughs> yeah, eh, come on, <laughs> chico, <laughs> <laughs> right? It was bad. I was waiting for fucking uh, Kevin Nash and X Pac to show up, <laughs> right? It was just got awful. But then, but yeah, yeah, well, she's we getting get... hit on, hit on. Poor Allison's getting getting her neck slashed open and brutalized. This is where I made the point to make a note. The blood and gore in this movie is top notch. The blood and gore look yeah. really good, but the prosthetics look a little wonky. Like yeah, and the CGI is a bit off too. Oh god, yeah, I got I got some notes about that CGI, especially at the end, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh. 
Oh, God. I, I actually rewound that and watched it three times, just th- this one particular shot. But I'll get I'll I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll uh, I'll get I'll get to it when we get to it. But uh, All right, I, yeah. I want to get something off my chest here that, you know, uh, I wonder if a lot of other people notice this. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're pretty sharp on picking up little things in the foregrounds and the backgrounds and stuff. Uh, but this is we get the second reference uh to pinhead's pin stabbing somebody so that like they show up and goes boo and then they fucking it's like they don't do nothing with it it's like they show you that these are the same pins that are in pinhead's head yeah yeah now it's in a puzzle box and now he's got one and he stabs you with it and stuff and so you know you're like oh now you're okay. talking about when the, the host stabs chelsea in the arm she with the stabs pen. chelsea in the arm she gets he gets the other guy in the thumb yeah, with with the spring loaded uh, limit configuration, yeah, that yeah. stabs the through limit. the thumb. Yeah. yeah, that's actually kind of made my butt pucker a little bit. I will admit yeah, that. Yeah, I was, did. That I was, was like, ah, that, ooh, yeah, that would suck. I've stepped Stick on a nail fucking... before in my life, and having a nail go through into your foot or hand is no, no, no joke. That's something I can relate to. <laughs> yeah, one of the few things I can I... relate to. Me too. I've I've done it as well. And let me tell you something. You fucking either you die or you earn your man card that day. You're <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And fuck me. Uh, Earning your man card sucks. <laughs> yeah, man. Nothing nothing good about it. Nothing good about it. Uh, you know what's a, 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 a next point I got to make here is Henry Cavill is kind of a douche in this movie. He's a good actor, but he's a kind of a plays a douchey character as Mike. He's constantly trying to hit on Chelsea. And you know, he when he when he's hitting on her at the bar and he's like telling her and he's like, Hey, you're still pining away after a guy's been dead for two years, you need to get over him and get with me. That that's not not a, a way to you know, he's like, Well, that didn't work out. And it's like, so he just moves on to the next girl. And then he's he's randomly getting head. From some, you know, because all the characters at this rave, all the all the people in this rave, for folks that are listening at home, if you haven't seen it, they're wearing masks with numbers on it, and they're all been given a cell phone, so you can just randomly car, you know, call one, two, and three, four, and get with them and commit sins of the carnal flesh, you know, as, as the host says at one point. I like I I do like the one line. It's a totally douchey part, but it did make me chuckle. When Chelsea's trying to call him and he's ah, you shouldn't have blown me off while he's getting head. Is this like wink, wink? Like ah, I see yeah. what you did there. Yeah, yeah, no. made me chuckle to the point where I was just like, yeah, lazy writing. Yeah, <laughs> you know what would have been funnier? Fucking just Lance, this fucking Lance Hendrickson walking up to two random people, fucking on the couch on the orgy, and just be like, I did that with a shovel. <laughs> right, got a much funnier joke. Right, right. Instead of that, blow me off, fucking lazy, lazy writing. Yeah. And movie Ugh. sex is always so... Why is movie sex? This is a question I'm going to pose to you and to the listeners at home. So if you got thoughts on this, write us and let us know. But why is movie sex so breaky-breaky? Like, whenever they have movie sex, they have to throw each other up against a wall and knock over shit that breaks and shatters all the time. <clears throat> I've never had sex like that in my life, and maybe I'm just not living. But I've never just like thrown people up against a wall and been like knocking over vases and jars of shit that shatter on the floor and like 
Does anybody ever have sex like that in reality? Because I'm going to be well. well it's that's 2005, not. and it's part of Dimension Films, and it's a subsidiary of Miramax, and we all know Harvey Weinstein and what he likes, so that's probably why it's all breaky breaky. Yeah, yeah, that might be. Um, it might be why it's in this movie. I'm just wondering why it's in movies in general, like all all sorts of movies. Movies such you in general is just awkward as fuck. Because it's it's made to do two things make guys think that that's the way women want to be treated <laughs> yeah unfortunately that, that unfortunately is you know and you know that's where you get a lot of fucking you get stupid shit shot like this and then everybody wonders why you know rape culture exists it's exactly like, that's exactly bottom, i mean i sure if they're consensual and you want to get a little rough that's fine but you know <laughs> sooner yeah, or later I, you're I gonna I have these people that fucking come out of the woodwork that think that this is just what you do on a regular basis and you know that's why so many fucking relationships fail because you got so many fucking dudes and women out here trying to emulate what they fucking see in the movies and they can't fucking figure out why they haven't found their prince charming or their fucking cinderella yet is because it's fucking not real <laughs> <laughs> yeah people do not act like this in real life let me tell you something right now. I've been to a fuck. I'm not the most popular motherfucker out there, but I have been to me some wild ass parties. And let me tell you, don't none of them ever look that good. No, no <laughs> none of them are ever that lively. They are, never and, are. Uh, but, and, and again, it, 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 it's movie logic. So it's, I guess it's not supposed to make sense. Well, this movie does a great job of not making sense. Like when Derek, when Derek gets decapitated. I'm just thinking to myself, why after he go we Derek is uh, Kari Payton's character, yes. and he's an asthmatic, so he obviously at some point, whenever you see anybody in the beginning of the movie take a hit off an asthma inhaler, you know it's going to be coming to play. You know, yeah, so it's foreshadowing, kind of like uh, Henry Cavill's character Mike messing around with the big meat hook, foreshadowing, right. foreshadowing. But you know, he bad foreshadowing. Oh, and more foreshadowing, and more foreshadowing. And let me let me something else. You you talked about Derek getting decapitated. Before he gets decapitated, we got ourselves yet another cinema sin, and that is they get the fucking Scooby Doo moments. I hate Scooby Doo. I hated Scooby Doo as a kid. I hate Scooby Doo now, and I hate Scooby Doo moments. If you like Scooby Doo, more power to you. But I never could stand it because it was always a bunch of fucking teenagers rolling around in a house and you think it's going to be a fucking ghost or you think it's going to be something sutural and then they fucking pull the mask off and it's old man fucking Jenkins. Yes, <laughs> that's a lot of what this movie is. Now, I'm going to profess that I do like Scooby-Doo. I like and old, Velma, old Scooby-Doo. Velma always dropped her glasses. And, and that's what, exactly what we get in a Scooby-Doo moment because, oh my God, not my inhaler. <laughs> Yeah, and that's where I'm just like, oh, and it's like, and a, yeah. what? Ten I will minutes? say right now, original Scooby Doo is good. Yeah, I like but, original Scooby, but, but he spends ten minutes. He spends ten minutes chasing after this fucking inhaler. It goes across the floor, getting kicked around. You know the you know Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom moment when shit's getting kicked around right. the floor, and it drops Short through. Short round, give me the inhaler. Yeah, right. <laughs> This movie could have benefited from some short round. It really you know, could have. He, 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 he chases it across the floor. It drops down a grate. 
He goes downstairs. It's down there at the end of this grate, at the end of this vent. He gets he gets from one angle. He can't get to it. He goes at it from another angle. He uses a scalpel to reach it, and and he gets the hit off the inhaler. What does he do? He lays down on the operating table. And is surprised when he looks up and sees Pinhead standing above him with a meat cleaver and chops his head off. Right. And again, great decapitation. It looked good. I'll give it, it that. But it was just a stupid situation. His cap got detated is what happened. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. and then the cops show up. That's the, the, uh, the yes. part that's. The, the Scooby-Doo uh, cops. They're about as effectual as a Scooby-Doo cop. Uh, the Jiffy Pop cops. <laughs> Jiffy Pop cops. Yeah. They're white, they're buttery, and they go down easy. Yes, they did. <laughs> and and yes, this motherfucker do. went down real easy. Oh, yeah. Like, they get the call from, um, I think it was from Chelsea, right? Yes, that, Chelsea. That... Which, by the way, that's another thing. Our final girl spends half the fucking movie locked in a room. Yeah, for at least a good 30, 40 minutes. Well, well then, that we think she's locked in a room because we'll get to the end of what really is, is going on. But, yes, I mean. For yeah, but it, and this is where the movie gets. And this is convoluted. where the movie gets confusing and convoluted and fucking. It's just bad, lazy, pushed out writing. But, yeah, the cop doesn't do anything. They show up. He meets them outside. The host does. And, and they're like, well, can we search around the place? And he's like, oh, I'd rather you didn't. And he's like, you're going to uh, ruin my reputation, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you're throwing a party. You you really don't have – if you're throwing a rave at this place, you don't really have much of a reputation. And what does he say to him? He's like, oh, what do you do here anyway? And he's like, I love to party. Yeah, why does the 60-year-old man in the fucking woods have a house full of fucking teenagers drugged off their fucking ass and fornicating all over the place? Does that not look suspect? Yeah, like you know, there's, there's got to be at least, if, at the very minimum, 15 to 20 illegal things going on in that house. Right, that's a Pee Wee Herman moment if ever I fucking saw one. Oh, this is just art. No, motherfucker, it's pedophilia. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, I, I love the party. and The disp- oh, the cops in this movie are such idiots because they just leave. They just yep, fucking the, leave. That's, and that's why they're Jiffy Pop cops, man. <laughs> oh, because Jiffy Pop from the movies... You love your popcorn, and they're just like popcorn. They're white, they're buttery, because they fucking slip all over the place. They couldn't fucking slide themselves into the first fucking clue. <laughs> right. Oh, no, they slid themselves and they just fucking, the first clue. And it's like, I mean, you, you can take the example from fucking various movies. Look at the fucking cops trying to stop uh, uh, what's-his-name in Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. <laughs> fucking, he just grabs oh, Ricky. That dude's, Ricky, yeah, he just grabs that dude's gun and fucking pops him in the head, then he fucking shoots it with a six-shooter, I might, Andrew, and blows up the cop car. With one shot. <laughs> with with one, one shot, which is impressive, man. Yeah, he I hit didn't that know Ricky was such a great shot. Right. Hell yeah, yeah, man. He's part of the Lutheran Gun Club. This is where I actually made a point to notice, uh, to write down, it, it was the only point in the movie here, it was about an hour, about an hour in, hour and 15 minutes in. Did you notice that the dubbing and the ADR was off. Yeah. It's the scene with Lance and the cops back and forth when they're j- just that scene. Just yeah. that scene, the, the ADR. And, you know, this is a movie that had to have at least somewhat of a budget because it was, was released by Dimension Miramax. So it had Man. some money, some money behind it. Well, not only that, you get that. And it, this it adds to the confusion because the scene is, is that she's calling on the cell phone telling the cops, look, I'm in the fucking veranda. And the cops are looking up at the veranda. They're not seeing anybody. But she's clearly there. 
They don't yeah. fucking go into great detail and explain this shit, and you're just left going. This is when I started going. Wait a minute, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, they should have just cause to go in and 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 search the place. I mean, I guess you know if Lance says you know you're not coming on my property, you're not going in the building, they're not going in. But oh shit, would, probable cause. <laughs> yeah, you would think they would have probable cause to go in because somebody is. If, even if like, well, they just blow it off and like, oh, it's probably meth or speed, and they just blow it off and shrug like, oh, we'll 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 put it back on with dispatch. What the fuck? So if you thought there was somebody infiltrating your house that, at this party who had meth and speed on them, and that would be probable cause enough to try to go and investigate. But Right, and then we get the final insult of, oh, it's calling it from your phone. Oh, yeah, these kids and their tech. <laughs> and they just laugh it, it off. It was like, 2005, dude. They couldn't even make AOL work right. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> right. Oh, God. That's when things are really getting convoluted. I mean, I know... What they were trying to do, because, I mean, let's face it, in the end, what happened was, folks, I mean, for those of you at home who have not seen this movie, uh, Lance Hendrickson had drugged all these people right from the get-go, and they've all been buried pretty much for the whole movie, buried alive. You know, they have tubes going out out of their, their coffins and their graves so they can breathe and, you know, not at least suffocate and whatnot, but they're... They but you don't know that up. until the end of the fucking movie. Yeah, you still got of... shit to get through. And it's just a, the more that it goes on that you don't know this friggin' fact, the more convoluted it gets. And like one of the and, and before it all fucking comes to fruition, we get cut back to Chelsea in the room after the cops leave and shit. And we get this fucking final girl John McClain moment with come to the party. Have a few laughs. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, which kind of made me chuckle a little bit. Then then they do turn her into uh, like a James Bond, John McClane, because when her and uh, I think it's Jake face off against the host, you know, after he stabs her and fucking she just disappears. Yeah, I mean, I I get what they were going for is that they all were having their own individual hallucinations, but it just doesn't play out well. It's not right. it, and, I get what they were going for. It just didn't work. And then we got fucking another bad cheesy moment, but I made fun of it. It was, uh, you know, he's screaming on the phone. You just died in my arms tonight. He's like, Mother <laughs> from Pinhead. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I called that the dead snow moment when you turn around and accidentally stab the girl in the neck. Right. You know. Whoops. Oopsie daisy. Sorry. But, like. But the thing is, Jake starts slowly putting the pieces together at about the same time Chelsea does. And when they face off against the host, how does she get away? They just have her whip out a, a like a, a, a Jean-Claude Van Damme jump spin crescent kick out of nowhere that sends him flying over the edge. That's just like they, they didn't even play it off as if like, oh, now I've been taking judo lessons. No, she just. All of a sudden, does this Jean-Claude Van Damme kick and knocks him the, the fuck right on over the railing. And again, like I said, lazy riding. But this is the point I don't get. Well, I mean, I, I, I guess I get it, but it was just badly done because you get, you know, Lance Henderson gets to have his James Bond villain moment where he explains everything. They get outside. You see the graves that, you know, that we've gotten glimpses right. oh, of him digging. But before he gets before he gets his James Bond moment, he also gets his uh, Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers moment. <laughs> she kicks oh. this motherfucker straight up off one of the highest fucking balconies I've seen for a set of stairs. 
this motherfucker should have broke his neck, and he just fucking Voorhees is straight the fuck up. Yep. <laughs> He's like, hi, bitch. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's so bad. And then and I love Lance Henderson. Around, and they're going to run Lance out of the Henderson, house. <laughs> right? And then they run out of the house, and there he is outside. Boo. It's like, really? And he actually boo? says boo. He literally says boo, folks. Like in a, in, yeah. in a Hellraiser movie, the main one of our main villains just goes uh, boo, and uh, fuck. But yeah. what th- th- this is the part that I didn't get, e- even when you take into account that you know, yes, these people have all been buried for the duration of the movie, and everything you've been seeing is just basic hallucinations. You know, ninety nine percent of it has been hallucinations since they've gotten to the. I'll call the, it what it is: the big yeah. middle finger to the fucking Hellraiser fans. This right, movie right. is a big middle finger. It's like, yeah, nope, nope. One pinhead at all. Ha ha, fooled you. Yeah, so we've technically never seen Pinhead once in this movie until we get to the very end. But the part I didn't get is when Lance is describing everything that it was Jake's idea that he had talked to them. You know, they had ta- Lance Henderson was the girl that he had met, you know, was the, I'm using air quotes here, the girl that he had met over the internet and that he confided in, and that this was his idea. They're like, oh, get them all in the house. Get revenge on them for letting my friend Adam die. If that was the case, um, why didn't he catch on a hell of a lot sooner? Right. Like, if he knew what was going on, why did he play dumb for so long? Again, right. just lazy lazy writing. And this is the, the laziest, the ultimate laziest writing. All right. Brace yourself, folks. Oh, I think that, I have a feeling I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. The, the, the cops show up, the same ineffectual Scooby-Doo cops, the Jiffy Pop cops, show up to dig them out. And the only two that are still alive is Chelsea and Jake. Everybody else has succumbed to their their deaths. I mean, uh, Allison clawed her own neck open. You know, uh, Derek died because of his asthma. Henry Cavill, you know, Superman, uh, died out of fear. But... They said they got a call that came from inside the house, and she looks up and sees Adam's ghost standing in the window and I think waving at her or looking at her, and he fades away. So a ghost called in the distress call to say, hey, come and check. Because <laughs> it wasn't Lance Hendrickson that called him in. He was letting them die a slow death. Right. Um, supposedly, yeah, that's what I put out in my notes. Is it supposedly we were supposed to believe that the dead boyfriend called the Jiffy Pop cops? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's the biggest what the fuck moment of this movie. That's one of the. That's one of them. The second one is when they're driving off to the sunset without a care into the fucking world that all their friends have fucking been killed by this mass murderer who just happened to get a fucking way. Yeah, they're like, oh, the guy packed up the house uh, tight, and I'm sure we'll never hear from him again. We'll never find him. And, like, really, but did you try? Did you try to find him? Did you try to look for him? Right. And so we get at the end. uh, I do think I I do like this touch is that uh, Lance Henderson is sitting in a hotel room kind of thinking about what he's done, looking at pictures of his dead son. And the name of the hotel was the Claire Hotel which I thought might have been a wink and a nod to Claire Higgins that played Julia in part one and part two. I don't know if that was intentional. Possible. It was a Possible. nice touch. I'll, I'll, give him, I'll give him a half a point for that. Not a full point, but I'll give him a half a point. But he starts, because somebody always, always, in capital letters, always, 
has to play with the damn lament configuration box. So Lance opens it. Pinhead shows up with two leather-suited Cenobites in tow, and he just starts yelling at them, I gotta wake up, I gotta wake up, I'm gonna wake up. And so they use this saw blade on the end of a chain to to tear him in half a couple of times. That's a flying guillotine? Yeah, like a flying guillotine. Done with some of the worst CGI I have ever seen. Oh, God, it was horrible. The one shot where Lance falls apart, you know, his head falls off and his midsection falls apart in two, was so fuzzy and looked nothing like, like Lance Anderson. It was a complete CGI render. Looked absolutely horrible. They could have put they could have put a few bucks into it. I mean, I know it was a cheapo production, but they could have put a could have put a few dollars into it. It is some of the worst movie CGI I've ever seen. Followed by the worst line ever uttered by Pinhead, and it would be the real only line uttered by Pinhead in this movie, since all the other ones were just hallucinations. How's that for a wake up call? What in the actual fucking fuckballs? Yeah. Uh, and and it, it doesn't even end there. Like, that's pretty much where it should end. That should have been the ending. With, you know, let, let it be that. Let it be Lance is the host getting his just desserts. And But no, they have to go for, you know, Chelsea and Jake driving away in, in a, you know, a Land Rover, and they have a, a hallucination that the, the host is sitting in the back, so they almost crash the car. They pull along the side of the road, almost crashing, and they look at each other all out of breath, like like he's never left them. Right. And <laughs> followed by one of the most ill-placed kind of, like, oh, God, one of the most Ill- ill-placed songs. It was like they took a, a, a like a song by Bush. And took a B track, a, a B side, and put played it at the very end. It was just like, oh god, talk about yeah. taking a, a bad movie and ending it on a worse note. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty bad. And what a middle figure to the fans, though. The, that ending, I mean, don't get me wrong, Lance Hendrickson is an amazing actor. I love him, I love him, and everything. But yeah. uh, such a middle figure to the Hellraiser fans to go and be like, ah, no, you know what? It wasn't Pinhead the entire time at all. It was this guy. And then at the very last part of the movie, you go, oh, by the way, he really does have the lament configuration, and he really does, Pinhead really does exist. And here he is. Yeah. <laughs> and We're throwing you uh, a bone, but a, not a very meaty bone. No, very, very thin, and just... You can see why fucking Doug Bradley was just like, I'm not coming back to this. I mean, he fucking flat and you can go to the interviews yourself. He flat out said, you know, they fucking they didn't consider a second writing for the next movie, which was nine, which I don't even know what the fucking that one was called. But they, they didn't consider a rewrite for the movie and they cut his movie, his money substantially short. Which I get why they cut his money substantially short, because it was going to be a piece of shit. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not. Doug Bradley's he was he was done. Yeah, you know, and this you is know, a he probably made fucking, the right decision to not come back. For, oh, he very did. You know, for, I can't remember if it was Revelations. I think Revelations came next, and then 
uh, judgment came after that. It wouldn't be for six more years into 2011, yeah, when Revelations came out, and then about another six or seven years in 2018 when the last one came out, and rightfully so because those movies were not good. Uh, but, right. you know, I think uh, we need to redeem ourselves at some point and do one of the good sequels, do like Hellbound or Hellraiser yes. 3 or even Bloodline, which is still semi-decent. But yeah, they didn't let Doug Bradley end on a good note. They really didn't. They they neutered Pinhead. Well, he was only in the movie for 15 seconds. You know, <laughs> basically. They neutered Pinhead, and you know what? Fucking <sighs> Doug Bradley does fucking amazing work. And to underutilize him so bad like that. I mean, just alone. This man is a badass for fucking everything he touches for the most part. Yeah, he's a type of actor. He's like Lance. He's a performance guaranteed. You're going to get a good yeah. performance out of him. But And not only that, I mean, if you're a fucking music fan, he does fucking narrations for uh, Cradle of Filth, which is a death metal band. And, you know, uh, one of the songs he does is Her Ghost in the Fog. Uh, there's a couple other ones that he does narrations on, but his voice is so commanding and fucking creepy. And well, he he has a YouTube channel where he does like uh, Edgar Allan Poe readings and things like that. Yeah, that's what I said. He's he's one of the him and Lance Henderson are what you know we say like Vincent Price. He just had it. Yeah, he had the it factor, but the, they yes. just. They and they just underutilized it. They shoehorned him in. They made it fast. And Doug Bradley's like, whatever, it's a paycheck. <laughs> Don't well, you know, me I mean, come back for the next he, one unless you're going to pay me. He's an actor. He, you know, he, the, they do these things maybe because it's artistically uh, satisfying. But you know, in the end, it's their job, and they need to make money. You know, but yeah, but even even that, it's like you know, he looked at it and was like, you know what, I've been doing this. And this is my eighth Hellraiser film, and they just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And you know what? I'm going to step back from this shit show before it ruins my career. And I don't fucking blame him. Not a bit. Um, not a bit. Nah. Well, thankfully, this, uh, you know, he, he didn't do Revelations and Judgment because those just got exponentially worse. Even worse than this one or deader. Uh, that being said, uh, I almost hate to say it, but we need to wrap this up and give our final thoughts and, and ratings on this. You know how we do things around here. Uh, rating on a scale from 1 to 10, if you can do it. Oh, boy. Well, here we go. Now, this movie just it channeled my inner Jim Cornette. Like I said, for you wrestling fans out there, second wrestling reference of the day. Uh, those of you who do not know who Jim Cornette is, he was uh, the man of words, man. He would come out, and he would cut promos, and he would just – the verbs that he would use and the, the, the way he said things was just genius. And it always came from a place of anger, but not really. He was just that good at doing it. And this friggin' movie just channeled it. So here we go. <laughs> First and foremost, this is the shittiest Hellraiser I have ever seen outside of four that killed the friggin' theatrical franchise of this movie. Um, it is just, it is just a chore to watch. It's very badly written. It's very convoluted and confusing. You know, it, they really 
just didn't if they would have took the time and they had they had a lot of concepts in this movie that were halfway decent and if they would have just took a little more time and fleshed things out a little bit better ha 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 <laughs> yeah it, yeah, it yeah. Been, <laughs> yeah right you know it, no pun intended but yes pun intended <laughs> it would have been such a better movie but they didn't do that they took the cheap easy fucking executive route it is absolute garbage and you, first and foremost, you neutered pinhead. Gone are the days of friggin' you opened the box. We came. Now you're going to be tortured for eternity. <laughs> right. Those days are gone. Now it's. We have we eternity have to know to show your flesh. You. Chicken Strip Tuesday. How's that for a wake up call? It's. Ugh. Ugh. Gag me. <laughs> you should be ashamed, fucking Rick. <laughs> you should be ashamed. And let me tell you right now, you want to know where I give your movie? I give this movie, first and foremost, the Sandpaper Vagina Award. Because it's like sticking your dick in a van in a fucking sandpaper vagina. Sure. It's not impossible. You don't know why you're doing it exactly. And <laughs> it's not exactly hard enough to get through, but you know, once you pull it out. You're never going to want to put it back in again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Andrew Dice Clay said, slightly amusing, but mostly painful. Right. Slightly <laughs> amusing, mostly painful. It's like masturbating with a cheese grater. I'd yeah. rather slam my dick in a sliding glass door. I'd rather pound my nuts flat with a wooden hammer than watch this fucking movie ever again. And so <laughs> I'm going to give it because of Lance Hendrickson and that it was a joy to see all these young actors and actress in this movie. I'm going to go ahead and give it a five out of ten. For the five fucking sequels that Doug Bradley hold on trying to save this fucking franchise and just couldn't fucking do it anymore. Uh, well, you're, you're being a little bit kinder than me. Uh, and I know this was my suggestion, so I apologize. But <clears throat> I'm giving it a three and a half. Only, only because, like you said, it did have some good ideas that just weren't fleshed out. It was good seeing what little we got to see of Doug Bradley, and he's a pleasure to watch. Uh, it was great watching Lance Hendrickson just kind of chew up the scenery. He He's the saving grace of this movie. He really and it's, is. It's great seeing a, a young Kari Payton in this, a young Henry Cavill and Catherine Winnick. The, 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 the cast really do save this movie from a flat-out, like, zero out of ten. Uh, there's a couple of good effects. The... You know, the uh, Leviathan house looks great. And there are some great ideas, but they just didn't do anything with them. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I think Doug Bradley was right to not come back for either of the other sequels, which, believe it or not, are even worse than than this one. And again, so I think next time we'll when we choose the sequel to do, we've got to choose a good one because this one. Yeah. <laughs> I just want when we were talking about ideas to do, and I mentioned this, and you said you hadn't seen it, and I'm like, well, I haven't seen it since it was released. I own it on the box set, but I, it was much like when we reviewed, um, you know, uh, Halloween Resurrection. Me and my friend Daniel Go did on the show. It was like I hadn't watched it since pretty much its release, so it was yeah. kind of like, how did that rank go? Okay, I had I to give it a second viewing. I just had to see if it had aged. And oh, I think I gave. Uh, Halloween Resurrections a two. I even rated <laughs> yeah. it lower. I even rated it lower than this one. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you on that one too because I, I fuck it. And again, Dimension Films, <laughs> subsidiary yeah. of Miramax. 
Good God. It, it just didn't make uh yeah, Halloween Resurrections just it felt like it, it was a it was a fan film that somehow got Jamie Lee Curtis stacked in it. Well, you know what? It, they were cranking out horror so much at that time. So like I said, the horror was first and foremost the most popular thing to do. But also it was the like dimension films just kept cranking out stuff and cranking out stuff and cranking out stuff. And it was you know, some of it was decent. <laughs> But a good majority of it was just garbage. Yeah, like they started out good. Like when they did. When once Dimension got hit, a whole. Once that but, Scream hit shit started, which I liked Scream. I even went as far as liking Scream 2, which had a really good meta. Really good meta. But after that, it just it's like Scream 3, Scream 4, Scream 5. It's, I don't fucking care anymore. It's yeah, the same shit certain, as I. There's certain movies that just don't age well and certain movies that don't to me, command the the respect, so to speak, to have multiple sequels. Like me, like I'm down for a a Chucky sequel any day of the week, a Friday yes. the 13th sequel any day of the week, a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel any day of the week. But even even the worst ones of those series are still good. But man, there's just some Dimension pumped out some really bad movies. They I mean, they, they put did, up some stinkers. Yeah, I mean like the first couple uh, Children of the Corn movies were decent. The first couple of uh, Prophecy movies were decent. It just yeah. once they started getting past about part three, part four, and any of those franchises, they were just just right. plain uh, not look, good. Just look at Prophecy One. That was a Dimension film. Came out in '95, and you had fucking Viggo Morrison as the devil. And oh, my one God, of the man! Best, yeah, one of the best best devils it, ever. Yeah. One of the best that, interpretations of, of Satan in a movie. <laughs> yeah, like all true love, one day get withered on the vine. <laughs> yeah. I love that line. He, I love movie. the part when he's like, I will lay you down and fill your mouth with your mother's, <laughs> with your mother's feces. Yeah. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> right. They Holy the- shit. <laughs> now that's good writing. <laughs> Yeah, that's somebody that knew how to write good dialogue. <laughs> right? Like dialogue that, is... that grab you by the coyotes and, and Right, and, and now, well, now that do I look like love to you, human? <laughs> yeah. I am that, not love. That, that, was that and uh Christopher Walken has one of the greatest lines in that movie too. When he fucking walks up and he's like, Do you know why you have that dent in your lip right there? Because when you were born I told you to shh. Yes. <laughs> You're just like, oh, <laughs> And you know what the first couple of movies had? The first three movies had Christopher Walken. Once you lost Christopher Walken in the prophecy, they yeah that Oof. was yeah. yeah. Even Doug Bradley popped up in one of those uh, Godforsaken prophecy sequels, but you know, couldn't save it. Nope, not Tony Todd couldn't save it. Brad Dorf couldn't save it, but. You know yeah, what? We're, we're we're masochists here, so we will end up doing a prophecy sequel one of these days. But I'm going to aim. I'm not I'm ready gonna, for that. <laughs> I'm going to do part two first, just so we can say we did the only good one. Right. Oh, but that being said, I think we'll stick a pin in this one for the afternoon. I need to go watch the bad taste of this movie out of my mouth, and I would say I'd burn burn my copy but i watched it on pluto tv yeah, and, so did I. yeah. <laughs> that's where i watched it i was just like where can i stream this because i don't even want to pull my dvd out of its case to, to have to watch it i'd have to you know i would make my box set incomplete to, to burn this one but yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Next one, I don't know what we're going to do next, folks, but we're going to do we're going to do something entertaining and something that we like. So you don't have to listen to us, bitch, quite so much. But sometimes, you know, here we got to get we say we do sequels, the good, the bad and the ugly. And this is one of the ugly. And remember, folks, it's all in good fun. You know, I I put these movies through the ringer, but I enjoy watching them, even the ones that are god awful. Yeah, I had a good I had a good time. I, I always have a good time discussing these with you. It's a good time just to shoot the shit with you. And, you know, I, I, I love picking some of these. I love talking about bad movies that I don't like as much as I love talking about movies that I love. So, you know, take it as, as, as it is. You know, sometimes you got to wade through the muck to get to the good stuff. But that being said... Uh, folks, you have been listening to us talk about Hellraiser Hell World here on Sequel 2 Deja Vu. So keep tuning in and we'll keep watching them. Hello? Anybody? Somebody. Sweet cheeks. <laughs> <laughs>